My name's Raymond. I'm the pastor here. And today we're going to start a six-week sermon series just on this passage because there's just so much going on. And I'm kidding. We're not doing a six-week sermon series on this one passage. I mean, there is a lot that's going on. But as we spoke to last week in our very special Storytellers edition, we're going to be following the lectionary texts, uh, and particularly the Old Testament lectionary texts for this season of Lent. Uh, and today, the Old Testament lection is what Shay read so well. Now again, there is a lot going on. So let's just kind of take a look at a high surface level about what we can see. We can certainly see that there is a community that's in transition. There's this guy, Elijah, who's leaving, and Elisha is staying behind. Which, that right there, for me, kind of makes a very interesting point on perspective. Because who exactly is leaving and who exactly is going? It's the same action that's happening, but if we take a look at it from Elijah's perspective, he is going somewhere else. However, from Elisha's perspective, who is staying, Elijah is leaving. Same thing, different perspective. Kind of reminds me of the observation about whether or not you're stuck in a rut or you're in the groove. And when you listen to the bass like that, I mean, how can you not be in the groove? All this to say, again, it's the exact same action. Someone is doing something, typically repeated, but if there is a sense of joy, then they're in the groove. But instead, if there's this sense of dread or monotony, it's being stuck in a rut. Now, the reason why I lift this up is because one of the approaches to use in reading scripture is to ask yourself, where am I in the text? Or where could I be in the text? And I would actually suggest that there is yet another way. There isn't necessarily this dichotomy of leaving or going. But what if instead you were actually staying? And by that I mean, even though there are two primary people that are here in the text, Elijah and Elisha, there's actually the company of prophets that's mentioned as well. And so what if we were staying, and what if we were the prophets? More on that in a minute. Let's take a look at the geography that's mentioned here. How it's, they're talking about how this pair goes from Gilgal, and then they go out to Bethel, and then they return to Jericho. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, that's nice, but let me put it into a more modern context. What if I were to say that we were going to go on a road trip, and we were going to go from Camden, New Jersey, to Harrisburg, back to Philadelphia? Would that be the most effective way of doing things? Would that be the most effective way of doing things? No, it would not. I mean, why don't we just all just go in a straight line? And so that's exactly what's at stake here with these three cities. Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho are going the long way round, which means there must be an important 
point that's here about what's at stake. Why these three places? Of all the places to go, why these? Well, one of the interesting things about the Hebrew language is that every word can be defined or every name can be defined. So an example of this is in uh, Middle English, how typically if your family was a blacksmith, uh, your last name would be Smith. Or if your family was a, um, uh, a cook, your last name might be the Bakers. Or if you were barrel makers, you might be called the Coopers. Because that's what barrel makers were called or are called Coopers. Okay. So all of these names then can actually be defined. And so Gilgal actually means to roll away. And so you might be thinking, okay, well, what's rolled away or what's exactly at stake in this? Well, as the Israelites were being led out of Egypt into the promised land, the first place that they went was Gilgal. And they set up this spot, they set up this special shrine as a reminder that God had rolled away their sin and their trials and their tribulations from Egypt. God said, you don't have to worry about that anymore. And so Gilgal's this very, very special place. Now, Bethel is actually pronounced Beit El, meaning the house of the Lord. Bethel was actually where the Ark of the Covenant stayed. And yes, doing my due diligence last night, I did watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, at least the middle part where he was chasing it, you know, in the, the fantastic truck scene. So anyway, so it literally means the house of God, or it means the presence of the Lord. And so there is this sense then of this constant reminder of being there and God's presence always being there. Now, Jericho translated actually means breath or scent. In other words, it's something that we all need. It's something that's all there, but it's also something that we can't necessarily see. Unless, of course, it's a brutally cold day and then we can see it cast out from our breath. But again, it's something that's necessary, but not necessarily tangible. And so therefore, there is the old story that many of us might have learned about uh, the walls at Jericho. Yeah, and so the, this was actually the first battle that was fought entering into the promised land. And what God said was, if you trust me, if you trust me, then I will deliver you. And they're like, all right, we're suiting up to fight. And God says, no, we're not going to fight per se, but what I want you to do is I want you to take the ark and I want you to lead it around the walls of Jericho seven times, literally asking them to walk in faith. And so therefore, as Elijah is there walking with Elisha, knowing that there is going to be this transition, what Elijah is literally doing is saying, let's go ahead and revisit these things that are important. Specifically, let's remember that God has removed our past from us and set us on a better path forward. 
let's also remember the very house of God or the presence of God that is always with us. And let's also remember how we are called to walk in faith by those invisible things, that breath, that scent, if you will. This is the reason why in this grand tour that what on one hand might appear as Elijah and Elisha just kind of moving around the Middle East, but in reality there is this intentionality as their faith history is recalled. I also think that there is another important piece that's here, and that is there is this reminder that ministry effectively is not done alone. Now, here in common parlance, you know, we hear the songs or we hear the words of how, you know, people just like to do their own thing. They're, they don't like to play well with others. They're a real lone ranger. But on the other hand, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And when we take a look at the larger arc of history, there is this idea of ministry being done effectively or more effectively in pairs. We take a look at how Moses worked with Aaron, Joshua worked with Caleb, how Elijah is here with Elisha. And even in Mark 6, as Jesus is commissioning the disciples, this is in Mark 6, mind you, the 16 chapters that are there in Mark. So here they are in the middle. They, they aren't even fully into their full three and a half years internship with Jesus. But they're sent out, not individually, but they're sent out two by two. Again, this idea that ministry is more effectively done in company. This, by the way, is what I also referenced in the newsletter in how grateful I am for the other resources that are here, both in ministry and music, and I repeat myself in regards to the group of people that make ministry possible. So here we have this idea that it's actually as you are reading scripture and you are seeing that there are these two main characters, Elijah and Elisha, there actually is this company of prophets that's there. And this company of prophets that comes out both in Bethel and both in Jericho are speaking the truth to Elisha, who appears, if you go back and read the text, might be a little bit in denial. Yeah, I know he's leaving, but be still. Or, I know that he's leaving, be quiet. Kind of reminds me of my children when they were young. I can't hear you, I can't hear you. But again, speaking the truth together. And so this is one of the reasons why here at Broad Street, we celebrate annually Prophet Sunday, which we are doing next week. And I know some of you might be disappointed. I was really hoping for that second week in the sermon series on this lectionary text. But no, we'll be doing that and then we'll be moving into the lectionary texts moving forward. So the questions, it seems to me, are so much that it is with whom will you be a prophet? And also, where will you be a prophet? 
because each of us operate in our own spheres of influence. Each of us have our own people whom we encounter. Each of us have our own opportunity to share a prophetic word. And just know that we don't need to do it by ourselves. Another piece that's here um, to just kind of emphasize the impact of this specific uh, lectionary text is this idea of the chariots that are there. One of the things that makes this rather interesting is how um, Elijah ascends directly into heaven in a whirlwind surrounded by these chariots of fire. Um, and every time I still hear chariots of fire, I hear the Vangelis tune. Dun, 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 dun. Thank you. But really what it comes from is this idea that God is the commander and the chief charioteer of the heavenly host. Psalm 68, 17, with mighty chariotry, twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands, the Lord came from Sinai into the holy place. And so here you literally have Elijah being Ubered away. But this is also where we have the very strong root of the powerful hymn, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. A band of angels are coming after me, coming for to carry me home. Again, scripture can be like a song as well. And so another one of the questions to ask, and for now, the last question to ask, when we hear these songs, exactly who is speaking? Because I would suggest with every confidence that on God's mind, what God is thinking, that there's no peace of mind to be found. I know what you're thinking. You're alone now. No love of your own. But God says you're not alone. Not only can you do ministry with someone else, you can always do ministry with me as well. Just reach out. Just look over your shoulder. I'll be there to give you the love you need. I'll be there. You can always depend on me. And with the love of God, the peace of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, this is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah and amen. <laughs>